0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, a podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist and unpacks the uh, quandary that is modern dating, dating in 2021, as well as the uh, psychological differences that people have, not just men and women, everyone, all of us. We all think differently uh, in regards to our sex life and our dating life and what we're attracted to, what we don't like. Last week, we talked about serial killers This week, we're going to talk about fetishes.
1: Yes, I've been waiting for this one. Eliza's favorite topic (laughs) as a
0: sexologist. It's
1: just so interesting.
0: So this is our first subscriber question. So thank you very much. It's from David.
1: Did he want his name?
0: (laughs) Well, it's too late. There's lots of Davids. It's all right. (laughs)
1: Thanks, David.
0: Thank you, David. (laughs) And David says, hey, love the podcast. I was wondering if you could talk about fetishes and the psychology behind them. I was wondering if you think they are bad and what the difference between a preference and a fetish is. For me personally, I find myself attracted to bigger girls. Most of the girls I've dated have been bigger, but I definitely like them for themselves as people too. I guess I'd like to know if fetishes are a bad thing to have and how to get rid of them if that's even possible. Thanks, David. Oh, he sounds a bit insecure about the 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 preference that he, I don't, I wouldn't even call that a fetish that sounds like a preference oh
1: it's a fetish it's if a you're, fetish well okay we should get into the definitions yeah all right. actually let's let's first. differentiate yeah. this yeah okay so we have preference or kink and that is something that you can add on to your sex life that you find arousing so it can be even lingerie it could be a little spank or hair pull occasionally it could be that I'm gonna get whipped cream out this one time it's just something that you can do infrequently you know spicy things here and there um so
0: that's a kink
1: that's a kink
0: but yeah what about a dating preference isn't that it sounds like this is just a physical preference that he has
1: yeah well i think that's the word he's using but i I think think it's a fetish yeah well with this one in particular um, let's say it's it's actually called lipophilia, where you have like a fat fetish or you're a chubby chaser, and it's considered. Chubby chaser. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> Is that common, the technical term. That's the technical term. All right. Uh, that's the street term. That's that's kind of accepted by the chubbies and and the people that the chase chubbies. them. Chubbies. Okay. That's what they call themselves. I watched a doco on them. Okay. Um. How
0: how large are we talking? Are so, we talking just overweight or obese?
1: Well, there's like three categories. We've got the the, the plumpers which is like maybe like a size... Um, 16, 18 Australian.
0: So woman. What is, I don't. So
1: I'm like a twelve a medium. So that okay. would be maybe an extra large, um, large, or bigger than a large, like extra large. So someone that is noticeably, um, not necessarily obese, but yeah. overweight. Okay. Sure. Um, and then you've got the kind of overweight category, and then you have, the, uh, well, you've got the obese category, and then you have the morbidly obese category where they yeah. can't necessarily, um, move around. And they need a lot of assistance um, and, they, and they themselves fetishize their own bodies like I want to be fatter, I want to be fatter and that is like an erotic experience for them. So, there's a heaps of- um- Really? Yeah. There's so many umbrellas that come under a fat fetish and some of it is people seeking out fat people or wanting themselves to be fat. There's feeders, there's crushes, there's being squash, there's the Amazonian woman kind of thing. Being squash. That's like a huge- huge one yeah it's how
0: almost, squashed are we talking
1: like um asphyxiation kind of like you cannot breathe you can't okay. you can't shift someone off you it okay. kind of comes down into like a submissive category as well so yeah, yeah, okay, um okay. a lot of people wow. find that it's whole community yeah th- there is a huge community for this one and i kind of like it because it's an empowering one like the women, um, most chubby chasers are men chasing women that are overweight, but it does go both way. So when I say women, I do mean women and men. But the, we'll say the chubbies—they're so celebrated, and they they have a community with one another as well. They have chubby events and things like that. It's um, okay, it's great. Um, so right, well, good on them.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like this is definitely not a bad fetish to have. Yeah.
1: So it's it is considered a fetish. Okay. If you are anything that is a fetish is basically you're exclusively attractive or attracted to uh, these people okay, so and you require this for sexual gratification.
0: Right. So if yeah. i like redheads that's not a fetish.
1: That yeah, that would be a preference or or a kink kind of thing. But
0: if i was like i can i'm only attracted to redheads that's a Then it's a fetish. A fetish. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Um and a fetish like is is um defined by either like an object even though a body part can be considered so it can be an object like latex gloves whips, chains or whatever it can be a body part or it can be like uh fecal matter or urine essentially or blood um is another common one so
0: (laughs) yeah i've heard the the urine one before
1: oh that's very common very very common yeah and the most common fetish there is interesting is um, foot fetish, or one yeah, of the most. Yeah. All, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We so... all know about that. <laughs> oh, I, it's not <laughs> oh, something okay. I'm into, no. But, I, you know, that's the classic <laughs> one everyone <laughs> just <laughs> no, makes fun is. of, right? Yeah,
1: it's um, it's interesting. So that's fetish. And then the last kind of category is paraphilia, which is an abnormal sexual fetish that is unsafe dangerous or kind of inhibits someone's functioning or well-being
0: but that being squashed sounds pretty dangerous so that's safe that,
1: that's why lipophilia or a fat fetish or choppy chasers is considered a fetish but certain aspects of it are considered paraphilias um as in the squashing but <laughs> okay there are eight main paraphilias and that's pedophilia um, an okay, attraction to pre one... prepubescent um, children. Pretty unsafe. Yep. There's um, masochism, so being like the victim or having someone put a lot of psychological or physical pain towards you. There's sadism, so that's inflicting the pain onto someone else. Yep. There's frauderism, which is um, rubbing yourself onto a non-consenting person. That's so pedophilia- That's four. There's voyeurism, which is watching non-consenting people have sex. Exhibition, which is um, exposing yourself. And at the last one is transvesticism or transvestism, um, which is that one's a gray area. And I have mixed feelings because I don't think that should be labeled as a paraphilia if you want to dress it up in the opposite Gender, Because it's actually one of the most common fetishes there is. Um, It's extremely common. So I don't think it should be really – basically what makes it a paraphilia is if it is something that you feel a lot of shame or hate for and then you do it. So we can find that often people that Mm. claim to be super homophobic may then dress up as women for sexual gratification but have so much hatred for it. Um, and that's when it becomes an issue. But that's if you're just doing it for fun it? and you, it doesn't impact you and you feel empowered and you just love it, you're like, I just want to wear some stockings, then it's not considered a paraphilia that you need to address.
0: Yeah. So yeah. would you say if it hurts someone else yeah, or, or uh, massively hurts you?
1: Yeah. Then it's not safe. But that's what it would say from like a psychological kind of therapist perspective. But then you get the BDSM community and it's like, no – Yes, I'm in pain. Yes, I'm getting, you know, whipped or whatever. But this is not a negative experience for me. It's not something I feel low about afterwards. It feels, it brings me closer to my partner. It makes me feel elated. So there's kind of like a lot to unpack on on your experience of it.
0: Well, everyone to some degree likes a little bit of pain during sex, right?
1: Not everyone. Well, you know, like but it can
0: range from like scratching the back all the way to like being whipped.
1: Some people hate it
0: hate it well even just like a very light hair pull
1: some people hate it some
0: people okay sure but the act of sex itself is
1: everyone has a can be
0: it's not painful as such but it's a it's a you know you're flexing some muscles there you're not (laughs) You're straining to a degree, wouldn't well, you say? Well,
1: there's one couple, I don't know if you remember, in the, where she writes about it in Mating in Captivity where he's really into BDSM yeah, and he's the sadist. So he wants to put his girlfriend or his partner into whips and chains and kind of have that power control. And she's like, no, 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 this is like my worst nightmare. I want to have slow, gentle, sensual, loving. Sure. And I feel so you know, I don't feel any intimacy in the way we have sex. And he's like, I feel the most intimacy doing it this way because it's power play, it's trust, it's vulnerability. So that was kind of like this super mismatched um, issue that they had. Yeah, I can't I remember what the resolution could... yeah, was. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a tough one to resolve. Because she was saying that... Uh...
0: Someone's going to be unhappy no matter what. Yeah. All right, you just have to alternate. Yeah, <laughs> One week we do this literally. way, one way quickly we the other way.
1: Yeah, but then it comes down to it's hard to feel satisfied when you know that that what you're doing is not satisfying your partner. Like, you know how we were talking about period sex one time when you're like, should you just, someone messaged me and he was like, Hey, whatever possible solution is, she just doesn't tell him and she just does it in the dark and wears a condom or whatever. Um, Or really he should just kind of, kind of man up and, and, and deal with it. But I was like, well, yeah, he can man up and still have sex with her. But if it's something that he finds gross and icky, I wouldn't want someone having sex with me just because I'm like, do this. It'll make me feel good knowing that he's going to be like, oh, this is turning me off.
0: Yeah, to a degree. Yeah, sure. So
1: it depends. It depends if you can still find sexual gratification. But basically, it, it becomes an issue when you cannot find sexual gratification outside of your mm. fetish.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess to answer David's question, I don't, I don't, I don't think from a non-expert's view, it doesn't sound like a bad uh, fetish to have.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's kind of like some people Big girls
0: need love too. Yeah,
1: some people have an issue with it when they feel that their body preference is what is being fetishized. Like, you only like me because of my huge tits or whatever.
0: But everyone to some degree, when it comes to physical attraction, there's some body part or just the overall body that we're exhibiting that is attractive yeah so everyone to some degree it's not fetishizing in in the same way but you Mm. could almost argue that it is right because Mm. if there are certain traits that people find attractive you know if men find big boobs and a big ass attractive Mm. women find you know tall chiseled body with a square jaw attractive then everyone is sort of tacitly objectifying and fetishizing those yeah those traits it only becomes a fetish when it's something out of the ordinary yeah so when it's him saying i like bigger girls oh that's weird that's a fetish well Mm. Mm. what's it any different to a guy saying i like uh fit girls yeah that's that's just the norm so there's no uh it's not a it's not considered weird but we do have body prep we all do have body preferences that's it
1: that's such a good point um, I tried to kind of go into a little bit of research on where like a fat fetish, um, can develop from or mm. how, because it is actually quite uncommon. Um, and we do find that it is
0: black girls love,
1: yeah, BBWs, <laughs> I
0: don't <laughs> know why if that's a st- yeah. but in rap songs and that, they're always talking about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, It basically, a couple of the reasons were well, most we'll get into this later, maybe unlocking like just fetish in in general, where a lot of fetish is kind of brought on by trauma, yeah, childhood from a book I read, your sexual development, blah blah blah. But this is one of the few fetishes that can be brought on by like feelings of, um, of nurture. And so, for Mm. example, it can be one person, um, wrote a a blog about it and he was saying that he was always a really lonely person and he was had so much desire just to hold someone and then when he found someone who was like kind of uh, well, she was a bit uh, uh, well she was fat and he was when he was holding her and squeezing her he was just like I can't get enough of this like this is healing how lonely I felt so he just wanted to like grab her and there was so much of it that it was so satisfying and then he was like well, if I went and had a, a size eight like really skinny girl in my arms and ex I wouldn't have felt that kind of like it wouldn't have quenched my That's cute. Emotionalness. Yeah. And so That's probably a most, nice way of, Yeah. That's mo- a
0: very sweet way of having exactly. fat fetish.
1: Most of the guys that have fat fetishes literally say, I just like the softness. I like the softness of her cheeks. I like the softness of her belly. I like the feeling of it. It's that kind of like sensation, like kinesthetic feeling. There are sometimes reasons when it's not as wholesome. It can be um
0: more Cushion for the pushing.
1: <laughs> that's still sometimes wholesome, but it can be like a. <laughs> I think that's okay. Like, well, if you're like celebrating the body and they're like, yes, I love that. But, yeah. um, If it's kind of sometimes we found that um, people that would fetishize fat women, it was they know that they're more ostracized in the community. They're not as deemed as attractive by society. So, therefore, they know that this woman is going to be more doning on them, more committed, like they want to have that kind of power, like preference. So, there there was that. And then there was obviously one of the biggest things was, um, was feeding or a feeding fetish where it's, I'm going to, as a normal size person, feed you and feed you and feed you. And, be, and so you become so like morbidly obese or overweight. Um, and that it feels good for the feeder because they're, it, they're bringing so much joy to someone. Food makes people feel good when you love food and they're like, oh, like food in itself or eating is sometimes like a slightly sexual or arousing kind of thing. Like if you're sitting across from a girl on a date, she's eating like a nice chocolate mousse with a spoon in her mouth. You might think "Oh, that's kind of like hot or whatever. You might not get turned on, but you might just think you like it or whatever. And sometimes that can kind of be excelled tenfold. Um, Yeah, so it's
0: it's a very wholesome and gratifying thing to see someone you care about having their basic biological urges being satiated
1: yeah the only thing is is that when it's like i need you fatter i need you fatter it's becoming really unhealthy which is a common thing that um i read for for bbw women so which is big beautiful women was saying that in times where they've wanted to lose 20 kilos even though they were already 180 kilos only wanting to lose 20 kilos so that they can walk um without like severe knee pain and their partners would be like no i'm not going to be attracted to you if you do that um and it's this i'm not going to be happy with you as you are you need to be continuously growing and growing and growing until you require a wheelchair or like a scooter so that's when it becomes dangerous but david for you david (laughs) i think you're in the green zone i think it's totally safe and i think that it's not As long as you don't have sinister thoughts,
0: just keep growing. Yeah, one day it's going to burst.
1: In most situations, it's okay. Um, And if you wanted to kind of rewire that, or you don't want that, then that's something that you have to walk like work through with a a therapist. Um, But there's nothing particularly weird about that. But there's nothing concerning about it. That's
0: pretty. uh, in terms of a fetish it's not a one that would even raise eyebrows it's yeah. like okay cool yeah. well, i get, i just raise my eyebrows but it's like it's, that it's just oh yeah cool and, you like bigger f- girls i know i i know some people that are into that
1: yeah and it's like foot really fetish abnormal. is something that is like the most shamed but i actually think it's one of the best fetishes because it's the least harmful to anyone
0: at the end of the day if you're not hurting anyone else who yeah. cares yeah. Uh, i think when it gets to places where it's hurting the other people or if you're living in I'm all for, you know, larger people feeling uh, loved and attractive and beautiful. When you start getting to this, you know, are oh, healthy at any size thing, that's when I have an issue with it. But mm. um, that's another podcast. Yeah. And you can probably guess my views on that anyway. Yeah. but We've uh, talked
1: about this in many podcasts. Have we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've, we've agreed that it's healthy in every size is not – not great but being be loved and attractive yeah, yeah, in any size is something that we should be celebrating of course or just positive like i'm happy within myself then you do you boo 100 yeah. percent.
0: yeah and and the studies do actually show negative reinforcement doesn't help people lose weight no it doesn't you need if you're saying oh you're so fat and that's killing your arteries that makes people feel bad about themselves and want to eat more yeah the way to actually do it is is uh, is to not shame them actually but yeah. You can also do that without, you know, lying. Yeah. So that's uh, my thoughts on that. But I read a book and it was called Your Brain on Sex, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And it was. It was, all, it was all about fetishes and preferences and what people are into in the bedroom. And the psychologist does generally unpack it by saying some sort of trauma or some sort of trauma is an interesting word, but mm. tension occurred particularly in adolescence or in 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 the uh person's younger life that has then manifested in a attraction towards a certain kink or a preference or whatever it may be so mm. there was your classic uh someone grew up in the deep south in america where it was quite racist but there was this one black woman who was uh it wasn't that long ago so she wasn't a, she 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 was like a helper or a cleaner or something right. And she was really caring and loving towards Mm. him. So he ended up really loving black women. Yeah, And that was also looked down upon by his family. But he just ended up really fetishizing that. Mm. Uh, There were other times where often people who want to tie other people up and maybe not be sadists, but Mm. be really controlling and dominant in the bedroom. It's generally because maybe they feel... Uh, like they didn't have that control in their younger mm. life or, or in even their, currently yeah currently women not really feel love
1: to be submissive
0: yes because yeah. they have so much control yeah. so you often want to uh, contradict uh mm. what your current life situation is mm. uh there were other uh instances where an event had occurred or there was some notable person in 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 someone's upbringing, maybe not even a parent that had certain features may have had um, dark hair or curly yeah, hair or whatever it may it. be, and yeah. then that then manifests itself that's as a big there's one. obviously mm. some workings going on in the subconscious there, yeah. and then all that is directed to the brain saying yeah. that person has those features. Yeah. I'm attracted and aroused. There's just so by many them.
1: kind of reasons why. So the trauma one is interesting, and and basically the way it's explained is that a trauma is an external event that causes you emotional or physical pain yeah and then your body stores it to being like you can't deal with this at this point so i'm gonna store this until you can deal with it and from everyone has experienced even something people think trauma is like really severe like being shot or assaulted trauma can be your parents getting divorced or witnessing a really like scary fight or something the only reason
0: i said that it was i think we were talking about in our first podcast this year you know how you say it's sort of this trend now that everyone wants to unpack their trauma and talk about it. And I just do think maybe the pendulum has swung too far one way. Not everything needs needs to be psychologically analyzed like a trauma. That's why I say maybe there's like a tension going on in your life.
1: Oh yeah. No, Trump there is a huge link between trauma and and fetish because it's like when we don't really have sometimes the skills to be able to unpack trauma ourselves. And sometimes it's not meant to be unpacked, often it is, but um, it's, I agree at the moment, it's kind of a trend to be like, oh, you feel fine. Well, there's still trauma, then you're repressing. Like if you have things that are impacting you every single day of your life, then you need to be, and you're getting triggered. Yeah,
0: and then it becomes yeah. like a personality yeah. trait that yeah. like, this is my trauma and yeah. I need everyone to yeah. you know, be able to deal with that. To a certain degree, I think it's important we talk about those things. But I just yeah. definitely feel mm. especially from what you gather on social media, the pendulum has just swung mm. way too far one way. Yeah. So it'd be good if there's if we can redefine certain certain words. So if there is a word for the very severe yeah. types of things that most people would associate with the word trauma, car accidents, I think it's cancer. PTSD. PTSD. And then yeah. things like divorced parents or a bad breakup Mm. or someone cheating on you, maybe if we have a different word for that. I just think in the same way, we just have this one word racism for everything between literally lynching a black person to making a joke. Mm. I think there needs to be a much more um, varied vocabulary for those things in the English language. And similarly with a word like trauma to describe something as intense as having to deal with, you know, Afghani children being yeah. killed before your eyes in Af- Afghanistan all the way to, oh, someone lied to me. Yeah. You know, th- 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 there should be different words. It's
1: interesting though, because we, we do have these terms for anxiety. We have them for depression. Like you've got chronic depression, general, like generalized anxiety. You've got long-term depression, manic depression, mild depression or depressive symptoms. So it's funny how for some words we do have, that vocab and then for something like trauma it just encompasses so much Mm. um but in terms of yeah sorry
0: i'll just gonna really quickly say uh, i was actually talking to someone who's uh i think doing her honors in psychology but Mm. she made a really good point about how we should actually stop seeing certain people as depressed and some people as not depressed Everyone to some, it is it is actually a spectrum, right? Yeah, it's some people have are severely, depression. Depression and yeah. severely depressed and some people have yeah. once a year feel a bit sad, but yeah. that's still, you, you shouldn't see it as just, I can't believe I'm saying, I sound like I'm really woke or whatever, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it's similarly with something like trauma that you're dealing with. Everyone's dealing with something. Some people are dealing with mm. far heavier stuff than yeah. others, but to just say, I've got this trauma that I'm dealing with. Mm. And again, coming back to something we talked about in the last podcast and, and you wouldn't understand, mm. which again, to a certain degree is very true. But one, I think there should just be a, a, a much richer vocabulary to describe the uh, range of experiences when it mm. comes to something like a trauma, which is anything negative that that is then manifested through uh uh, your your body physically or mm-hmm. otherwise mentally, and like, the way you act. Exactly. But, but also something like even mental illness, yeah, anxiety and depression. It's not this person has anxiety, this person doesn't. Well, everyone to some degree has a little bit of anxiety, yeah. Or yeah. some people have more. Yeah, exactly. It's, everyone's just it's on real. a spectrum.
1: Yeah, that's it. Because
0: then it does become this kind of like part of people's identity, which it's like I don't think is healthy.
1: You're spot on. Like me, I dislocated my arm, and for about two days it was traumatic. <laughs> but it would, it would I'm not been, going yeah. being but like, not, I have trauma now, yeah, like, it's not please. some sort of
0: PTSD that i yeah. have to deal with. Yeah,
1: that's not to diminish. Like, some experiences to me could be so minor, but to someone else could be so horrific. That's true. Like, I have like a crazy vomit fetish. So, if you, if we were there was a third person here and they vomited, you'd be like, Oh, yuck, I'd be like chronic meltdown mode and to me that would be oh, super traumatizing i thought traumatizing. you
0: meant it was a fetish as in you were turned on by no it. okay <laughs> no Well then that's not a fetish that's did i say a, fetish you said fetish oh have, my god i have a chronic fear. vomit fetish
1: oh
0: <laughs> that's what you said did no i mis- I don't know someone Can we, comment if i misheard that please but, do
1: not take that as a fetish and nah. vomit near me cut that I have out a f- and I have a let's fear. repost
0: it eliza has a vomit fetish
1: <laughs> i have a fear a phobia of vomit severe phobia yeah. Okay.
0: So you don't like people eating and then, and then,
1: yeah. So, anything to do with food consumption issues, or regurgitation? Right? Yeah. Basically. So mm. something must have happened to me. And Freud would say, like, my oral stage between zero and and uh, two, my mom must have dropped me or something. I don't know. So, something, something traumatic has happened yeah, in that. Always,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. But everything comes back to his little, yeah. Anyway.
1: Uh, Moving back Infancy. to to trauma, so basically what they're saying is, or what some um, psychologists believe in terms of kink is that, or fetish is that when we are in- involving ourselves in a fetish, whether it be like BDSM, that we're in some ways dealing with our trauma, and that by doing so our orgasm can be so much more stronger and more emotional and more fulfilling because in some ways you're getting healing from it. And that's what makes people can develop a fetish for only, I'm only gonna be able to reach sexual gratification if you are beating the shit out of me or something. Um, And I cannot do it otherwise because now that they've had this great, amazing orgasm, they're not gonna be able to find the alternative as appealing. So that's kind of one one aspect of it and people try to also rewrite their trauma so we talked about this even just in last week's episode about you know rape um, or sexual assault victims may try to regain power in a situation where they they ask someone to consensually can you, you know, let's fantasize a scenario where you rape me kind of thing, but I'm going to get sexual gratification from it this time. So in that way, that's a therapeutic practice as well is not necessarily acting it out, but it would be like, let's pretend, you know, you're you're having a conversation and let's rewrite the ending to this situation.
0: It makes sense yeah. because yeah. when we're being intimate with someone, that's when we're our most vulnerable. So if we're able to recreate our vulnerabilities yeah, uh, from, someone you trust. from our traumatic past but then uh, 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 recreate it in a way that's then gratifying and satisfying and yeah. pleasurable for us, that yeah. would be able to heal what we may have gone through. Although
1: some people will do it as like a self-punishment and out of self-hatred and disgust for themselves and they're like, this is all you deserve. You don't deserve a true, nurturing, loving relationship and so they seek that out. Someone that they don't care about, someone they're disconnected to and they're like, treat me like trash and that's when it becomes really, really unhealthy and it's quite... Common as well, unfortunately. So that's something that anyone experiences. Do seek help for that. Um, and one of the other points you made up was it develops during adolescence. A lot of people believe that it also may develop during your like what we call like the imprinting age around six.
0: Yeah, and sorry, they did. Yeah, it did say that in the book. It's a great book, Your Brain on Sex.
1: Yeah, so basically. In the, I don't know what they were saying, like in the 1800s, it was really common to have sex in front of your children because you'd have 10 kids in one bedroom kind of thing. And kids would then at that age imprint that, okay, this is my new, like what they call the blueprint or the love map that, Oh, this is what is going to find. I will find arousing when I'm an adult. Obviously, not as a six year old, they're not likely to feel sexual arousal from that. But it's just kind of imprinting that in them. Whereas nowadays, it's it's completely inappropriate to have sex in front of your children. In fact, it's illegal to share a room with a child if they're over two. Um, so sometimes it can be th-
0: wait wait. It's illegal to yeah. What if you can't afford a bigger house?
1: Well. That's it. I used to work with homeless young people. In bloody India, they've got a whole
0: family living in one bedroom apartment.
1: In in Australia, you cannot have no matter how big. That's a wealthy country, if ever I've heard.
0: If you can have a law like that.
1: Even if you're homeless, (sighs) the law still applies for you. So I had a girl. Not having
0: sex in front of a child is one thing, but not being able to have share a room with your child. Yeah, if they're two and a half. Yeah. That's I don't agree with. Yeah. Yeah. I can see why they've put it in, but.
1: I think that it's ridiculous. you can obviously it's not like if your kid's sick you can't they can't come into your room or whatever. I think it's they have to at least have a room available for that child. Um, like I said, if yeah. there's
0: ever a symptom of a very wealthy country, it's that.
1: Exactly. Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> so basically what they're saying, that since we no longer imprint on seeing adults around us having sex at a young age for the last, I don't know, 200 years, that we may accidentally imprint on other things. So for example, some people ah. have a like a diaper fetish and that was just something that they randomly imprinted on as a child and now that is their kind of, they found it. Gratif- sexually gratifying throughout their life or another really, really common one. So I think in the past, we've talked a little bit about why the foot fetishes exist. And there's a lot of different reasonings. People think that it's because in, in our brain map, the part where we put our genitals and is next to where we put our feet. And sometimes they can be cross-wired. So it's kind of like this phallic. Anyway, um, other people think it's a, a part of being submissive. So it's like, all I deserve, all I am worthy of is your feet. But one that is really, really interesting that kind of touches on this is that when you're, um, let's say between the ages of like six months and and two or a year and a half, and you're not quite walking, you're sitting on the ground a lot, or you're lying on the ground a lot. and they found that babies that have had like um, maybe like more anxious about when's their mum gonna come or their dad, and they're wanting, they're seeking attention, they're waiting attention. When your when your caregiver is walking towards you, all you're seeing is their feet. So you start to associate, you learn to associate feet walking towards you or feet in general equals nurture, caring, and love. So
0: that's a very early age. That's before yeah. that imprinting age of six. That yeah. you're just looking at the feet. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know what I thought of well, when you were talking about how people in the 1800s would generally just see yeah. their parents doing it? That has probably been the case throughout human history. Yeah. It's only very recently that it's now inappropriate to do that in front of your kids. Yeah. So I wonder if we're almost meant – every other animal species, it's not this forbidden thing where people go away and they just are in a tribe and and they just bang. Like I wonder if that's
1: so true. creating
0: more uh, – yeah psychological sex, sexual issues that we're that we uh, are unable to see something like that and then often our first uh viewing of sex is nowadays porn yeah and you know you know my views on porn yeah so you know mine yeah so uh I wonder if we're doing far more harm than good by yeah. uh, creating this really pure society where, having said that, I'm not, if you've got kids, probably don't go and fuck in front of them. Yeah, um, please,
1: please don't, don't do that.
0: But uh, it's also a few of the kids in my school and high school, if they ever walked in on their parents, it was actually quite a, well, let's use that word again, traumatic experience yeah. for them.
1: Horrific, yeah.
0: When really, that is. Societally created it's there's nothing yeah. that w- it shouldn't be weird that your parents are having sex it's probably a good thing but yeah i guess as a kid and mm. when there's all this uh weird yeah. shame associated with sex to see that is ew that's gross but yeah um i, I just wonder how that may be uh it's definitely a, huge a disadvantage. I
1: think it's a Western thing. Well, I know it's a Western thing impact. that a lot of our kinks are and, and fetishes. Although it is yeah. across all cultures, like you know, Kama Sutra and Shibari and things like that. But particular Westernized cultures, it's we can, it we've gone a, a bit white, off the rails. It does seem yeah.
0: when I th- when you see some of these hear about these fetishes and yeah, you know diaper fetish or even yeah. like this chubby community you immediately think oh it's such a white thing well,
1: chubby community <laughs> like no a, and and diaper fetish feel. no but uh, i think a lot of the other ones yes and well, I, even I, just bdsm yeah yeah right. but yeah
0: uh i'm sure in a few in blood by play, this generation blood play next generation, is it's almost exclusively
1: why actually um i don't know if, it's hard to kind of determine the statistics of um, like paraphilias or fetish because no one really is often very open about it. Yeah, but they were yeah. saying in terms of paraphilia, so those are the ones that are kind of like – Abnormal and dangerous, um, and probably not good for your emotional well-being, according to psychology or the DSM. It's in the DSM five, which is like the basically the big book of all mental health diagnoses. Yeah. Um, and they were saying that it is almost exclusively only diagnosed to men for paraphilias, which was interesting. And then, but then it said it's mm. it's because women may be getting misdiagnosed. Or thinking it's not a concern because they can come across as so nurturing and so nice and then be like, well, I just want to really like make him bleed from his throat so badly. And they're like, "But you're a nice lady. So I don't think you have sadism kind of thing. So it is interesting how basically no women get diagnosed with a paraphilia, but all men
0: do. (laughs) In today? Yeah. Because when I think of BDSM, I think more, well... The stereotype I imagine is like a much more empowered woman it is, whipping yeah. like a fat guy which that's which is probably unhealthy but that's what I think.
1: Yeah, I think that BDSM which I think is a good thing, it's positive that has, the idea and perspective of it has changed drastically since it was since the internet really made it a thing where it's become a community now. And I think the reason it's good is there's a lot of expectations within the community. And if you break expectations or rules like on consent and aftercare and things like that, you are shunned from that community and everyone knows everyone and you can't no one will engage in those kind of practices with you. Um, yeah, so, again,
0: if you're not hurting anyone, yeah, go and do it. I
1: feel like if you as want to be whipped. Can make a
0: joke about it. Yeah,
1: or if you whip someone, you don't need a mental health diagnosis. It's That's another, kind of one of those grey areas and, and that is in the DSM-5. We've all done yeah. that.
0: Maybe not all of us. Maybe well, not all, yeah. but
1: certainly Neil.
0: Yeah, hopefully <laughs> I don't need a mental health diagnosis.
1: I'll let you know. <laughs>
0: Oh. I did because someone asked me to do it.
1: Uh, what what did they ask you?
0: They were like, um, "Can you get a belt?" And I was like, "Sure."
1: Was your first like how much power did you put in the in the first the very like lightly? at the Yeah, st-
0: but then she was like harder, like yeah. to the point where I was doing it as hard as I can. Yeah, yeah. And there were like fully red marks and everything, and yeah. I was like, "Fuck, all right." Yeah, so it was kind of I. Yeah, it was like a power thing. I did kind of like it a bit. Yeah, and but I was also it like, is erotic, oh, especially ouch. when you can
1: see someone getting so much gratification from it. It yeah. does make sense as well. And also, I should say that the BDSM kind of rose actually from Fifty Shades of Grey that like shot everything, like BDSM into the limelight. And I do not agree with that book, except for the fact that it kind of brought attention to an interesting community. So, yeah, that was a little fun fact. And the, there what was What do you
0: agree- is it that uh it, okay what don't you agree with the with 50 shades of gray because i've so, heard mixed mixed views on that it's often first i've heard that 50 shades of gray is just basically porn for like is. older for karen and i
1: saw it in the movie cinema <laughs> with a bunch of 50 year olds so it was weird anyway um and then i went and saw the <laughs> oh, second my one my husband
0: too. doesn't do this it, to literally, to me. literally oh, that was that's sexy
1: the whole yeah
0: but look good on the mugger but but the funny thing is we have this idea that, oh, old people are so pure and religious. Yes. But people who were in their 20s in the 60s are now 80. Yeah, The 60s was way wilder than yes. anything we can yeah. imagine. We, we've we done nothing compared to exactly. them. So we're going to get this idea out of our head. That get like, some stories oh, from old, grandma. Old women don't ever, you know, were never kinky. Yeah, They were way worse than us. If you look at Woodstock and hear some yeah. of the stories, that and wh- when I say worse, they were far more intense than yeah. what we're what we're doing. So, um, I can maybe see why, like a bunch of 50, 60 year old women sure are like, "Yeah, they fucking whip the shit out of me."
1: The issue I had with um, with Fifty Shades of Grey though was that at the end of the second movie, I think it's the second movie. There's a scene. This isn't giving anything away. Well, I don't care if it does anyway. But she she confronts him. She finds out something about him, right? And it's this big secret. I can't even remember what it was, but she was yep. furious about it, and she felt betrayed. And she's like, "This is it. It's over. I can't believe this." And he just drags her into the BDSM room, and she's so upset. She's not like resisting. Like it's not sexy. She's like just numb, dissociated, like crying. And then you just the, the the movie ends with her lying on a table like this just staring out into the distance, silent, crying, as he, like, whips the shit out of her. And she's not she getting, is. like, sexually gratified at all. And she's not consenting. She's clearly not enjoying it. She's just, like, sitting that there. Sounds yeah. That was the very thing, sort of symbolic. Yeah. yeah. Like,
0: maybe the director was trying to sort of say something a bit more meta. And
1: I don't know. Because it's interesting because the BDSM community hate Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, I've heard that. If you look up things on, if you look at like any video on YouTube about BDSM, and they always reference Fifty Shades of Grey, and then you see people in the comments, and it has like thousand likes, being like, "Please do not associate Fifty Shades of Grey with BDSM community." Yeah, right. So it's interesting.
0: Yeah, because like I said, when I think of BDSM, I go, "They probably hate this stereotype as well." I think of like a far more, I think of the woman, like a guy tied up, and he's usually, (laughs) I don't know, just looks like. The woman would wear the pants in the relationship, yeah. and then the woman's just whipping the shit out of him. That's yeah. I see it as a very like female empowering thing. It's, whereas Fifty Shades of Grey was the other way. It, it is still like. more
1: common for the woman to be the masochist, which is like the the receiver of pain. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. So, and it's interesting. Yeah,
0: that's just
1: <laughs> you. That's just you. Just my
0: stereotype yeah. that I've internalized that for so- some reason.
1: <laughs> Noted, anyone put that down on a little piece of paper but anyway um so it is interesting how it is it is more like that and when i did um my sexology course this this girl that was studying with me was really really into the bdsm she wanted to be like a bdsm educator that's why she was studying sexology yeah and she kind of opened our eyes to it and basically like just through (laughs) description not like opened our eyes but um she was saying that half the time that she engages in BDSM activities or sessions, as she called them, only 50% of the time would she actually have sex or would any of them get sexual like or come to orgasm. So
0: was she like a sex worker? Was it one partner that she was doing it with? No,
1: she was just really in the community. So there was basically 20 men she had on a cycle. Oh. Yeah, and they would or they would plan in advance. Like he'd be like, I want you to wear pink lingerie. I want you to do this um, and I want you to be in this position and I want your hands tied behind your back or I want to tie your hands behind your back. And then he'd go over, they'd do an hour. Sometimes he, he wouldn't just be whipping her the whole time but sometimes he'd be whipping her. Sometimes he'd be pouring like hot massage or, or um candle wax on her yeah i heard um, that one.
0: that's a common one
1: and then they do that for a couple of hours he's no one's no genitals have ever been touched not even touching yourself nothing and then afterwards the most important aspect is the aftercare so then he will get a hot towel he'll wipe off the oil he'll sit her up he'll untie her and he'll hold her and say thank you i appreciate you and then they go their separate ways yeah and a lot of times it's just sex kind of thing well with those things added in so super interesting yeah
0: yeah, what a contrast.
1: Yeah, when I was... From, uh, yeah, you, from I, your understanding, you, yeah.
0: You slut, I'm going to whip you. Oh, yeah, no, I okay. feel like that's like what. Well, but that is a lot of, like, if you just have rough sex, it's kind of like that Yeah, anyways.
1: yeah. And I know of women that are, are dominatrix and they get paid, like, literally seven figures to just beat CEOs. Yeah, it's a C- yeah.
0: What the fuck is up with CEOs? It's like they this, just need this release.
1: It's so arousing to them to hand over control because it's something that they only get to experience in that specific circumstance. In every other aspect of their life, they are the lead, the control, the, the decision maker. So they're like, it's arousing to them. Yeah, that's
0: really interesting because yeah. I've heard for for female CEOs, yeah, a, a really wanna be roughed yeah. around, and then male CEOs are often very much into BDSM and being the the and be, one, and the, being the, humiliated. the sub, or whatever you yeah. call it. I just don't, yeah. don't know the terms, yeah. but, um, yeah, uh, that's that's interesting. So
1: when I was um, stupid and young, I had put into my Tinder bio that I studied sexology, and every single person that matched me, which was <laughs> yeah. a lot of people love that, and... They assumed, which is true, but they assumed that um, because I studied sexology, that yeah. therefore I will be really accepting to hear their fetish. So basically everyone that matched me interesting would tell me their fetish and be like... Um, what do you think about this or can we do this blah 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 and then my friend would be on tinder next to me and she's like i've literally never in my entire life had a male disclose a fetish to me where i was getting like 40 people day being like i only like pregnant women, or will you piss on me or can i be a cuckold kind of thing so it's it's interesting how interesting that kind of skewed my views a lot because then i went through like my early 20s thinking every single man has these really really interesting obscure Fetish, and it's just a matter of time. I still think that actually, <laughs> the most
0: potentially,
1: potent- Everyone has a fetish or a kink of some sort. I think.
0: Well, it depends how you define that, but yeah, yeah sure. Like I if think you everyone find has red lingerie, hot, like. yeah, yeah, the uh, kink, yeah, for sure, yeah. Oh, then yeah, yeah, then everyone yeah. does, but to so, the degree of you know, yeah, pregnant women or being pissed on. Not, yeah, not, not everyone. Not has that obscure or abnormal
1: to that or uncommon. Extent. Not to kink shame anyone. That's that's totally cool to have those things. And I would never be like, ha-ha, oh, my God. I'd be like, cool, tell me more. So I'd get on these, like, super interesting stories and and came across everything, like, literally everything you could imagine. People were telling me about, like, stomping on lizards. That one I had an issue (laughs) with. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Um,
0: <laughs> Wait, what? Like during sex or no? Just just as a thing out
1: and about, and then just getting so aroused from it. Like
0: I've heard psychopaths do. Well, sorry, arsonists get off to lighting a fire.
1: Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. There's a fetish for literally everything. There's a fetish it can be so specific. There's a fetish for picking up pubic hair off public toilets and putting it inside your foreskin oh yuck yeah <laughs> there's a fetish oh, for i having don't want a
0: kink shame but that insects or mice crawling fuck? on your
1: genitals it's just so one of the actually the pubic, that's so yeah, gross it's it's there's a lot but
0: i guess yeah if, look again if you're not hurting anyone yeah but oh the really just common just,
1: ones are ugh. bdsm foot fetish, adult nursing or breastfeeding. Um, Sometimes literally or just sucking on a boob, I guess. Um, Dressing up as the opposite gender. Pegging, that's a big one.
0: Cuckolding is the one that a lot of guys now, particularly in the online community, use that as an insult for Mm. uh, people they think are on the left and weak. You're a cuck, you're a cuck. Uh, But again, if a guy's into that and it's not hurting anyone, I had a mate that was a um, male stripper but then after the strip show there was a sort of, you know, private party or something and he said the stories mm-hmm. and the things that went down were just shocking and the amount of women on their hen's nights that would just cheat.
1: Oh, yeah. That
0: it, it just – it's probably, again, a similar response to when I heard – that and I've still been thinking about that statistic which is the greatest incidence of cheating is – When a wife is seven to nine months pregnant, pregnant, yeah, which is just
1: so sad.
0: It's really it is sad, but then I I I guess I I was thinking about that a little bit today, actually. Not to just I won't go too long on this because it's not really related to the topic, but the man's role when a woman is pregnant is to be the rock. Like you have to just be the rock in that situation. Like she's the one carrying the baby. You don't have the luxury of being like, I want to break. I'm overwhelmed by this too. Yeah. I'm getting a bit stressed because that's totally not fair. She's very clearly enduring the worst of it. So, so you don't really have an outlet to – I'm not excusing that at all, but it would be good then if there was, I don't know, a friend or if someone they were seeing, if they had an outlet to sort of outpour because I can only imagine – It would also be extremely stressful for the guy as well. Not to diminish or belittle what the the woman goes through is way worse, obviously, but it would be, you know, if she's waking up at four, like, I want this fucking potato or whatever. And I don't know. I've clearly never had a pregnant girlfriend, but I've had this potato. (laughs) (laughs) Get (laughs) me a potato. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Right now. (laughs) I feel like, though, it's not um, necessarily like they don't have a, a way to kind of extinguish this build-up anxiety or fear or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah i think it's more to do with that they've the attention goes off them a woman is only when she's pregnant or that pregnant she's basically just concerned with herself she's so f- fucking uncomfortable that she's like don't touch me don't like don't smother me oh my god don't spoon me you're too hot like everything's making her feel sick and uncomfortable and he's like thinking oh my God, like she doesn't call me handsome. She doesn't touch me anymore. Like there's like, even just when I dislocated my um, shoulder, which was Monday and today's Saturday. And then I was also allergic to morphine. So I had four days where I slept 20 hour days and I had, it was terrible. Like what happened to me because of morphine. And my boyfriend was like, are you okay? Like something feels like different. Like I'm feeling a bit like anxious about this. And I was like, yeah, it's, yes, I'm okay, I'm just fucking like so unwell right now and yeah, in a right. lot of pain. But he was thinking like, does this mean something for our relationship? And I'm like, this. I'm just going through like three days of like feeling really shit and sick. But that's how I interpret it to be for like men. But instead of, you know, four days, it's months, two months where they've just had no kind of validation or nurture or comfort. Whereas they used to probably get that on a daily occurrence.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they seek it elsewhere. Definitely, there's that. but. Yeah. I do think it would also be a very stressful and intense time for a man because it's probably when it he is, also has yeah. to. She's obviously not working by by seven months. I, I doubt it. I don't know. I don't think women we'll be working by then.
1: They are usually up really to like two three weeks before oh, birth. Jesus. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, okay. There you go. I would also think you know that's when a man's like I got to I got to make the most money now yeah. because you know a baby's on the way. I have got to be the provider. I've got to make sure everything in the house is built. The cot's there, and the fucking, yeah. you know, I've got to be ready to drive as soon as the water. Like, there would be a lot for him to deal with.
1: Yeah, but women, are, let's say that we agree they're like equally stressed, different stresses, no, but again, equally stressed. I'm not saying, yeah, uh, it's but women work. don't go well, right out gonna, and be like, "I'm going to yeah. cheat now." Like, I feel like it's it's not the stress that is leading them yeah. to do that. Well, it could couldn't be yeah, an but- instigator of stress. I need something that's going to make me feel better.
0: Yeah, like, fuck, yeah. I just need a release. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm I, not justifying yeah. that statistic at all, but I'm just putting myself, putting myself in the position of a man who has a heavily pregnant girlfriend. And I could imagine that it would be very, very intense and yeah. stressful. And a lot of responsibility lies on you as a man. and And I would feel like even if I was feeling overwhelmed or stressed or, you know, anxious about it as well. I could be having like, oh, fuck, I am I actually ready to be a yeah, father? Yeah. Like those sorts of fears. But if oh, I'm yeah. – t- I wouldn't ever think about expressing that if my wife is eight months pregnant because yeah. because I'd be like that's so not, not fair for me to say something like that when she's the one about that's to give got birth, the fucking yeah. child inside of her and how weak would that come across, yeah. which is – Actually, a bit of a instance of where maybe, maybe that is finally a point where a bit of toxic masculinity could actually be existing. And if yeah. there was an outlet for a man to say, like, "I'm so overwhelmed with this. I want. I just am stressed, and I want to just like have a break." If he could just say that to a friend or something, yeah. that would, I'm guessing, would be yeah, pretty helpful. I agree.
1: I agree. And in, in sometimes in that situation. You, you might actually have to suck it up a little bit. Yeah, at I, least I know, to, yeah. yeah. No, that's why I was yeah. like, there was,
0: if I was feeling that way, there's yeah. no way I'd be like.
1: That's good, yeah. Look,
0: honey, this is hard for me too. Like, yeah. fuck, <laughs> imagine that.
1: <laughs> it's just so sad. Like, ima- I can't imagine finding out, just as I've given birth, that my husband or partner or whatever cheated on me. And then you're not allowed to do anything for six weeks. Like you're not medically cleared to drive sometimes, work or anything, and you rely on that support. So imagine being like, I've just given birth, I can't work or I can't earn money and I can't whatever. And now I have to separate or I want to separate. Like, it's just the worst, just don't do it. It's
0: pretty Yeah, that's Don't cheat in
1: general, but especially not during like pregnancy
0: or you know Late like pregnancy before you get pregnant if you're going to plan the pregnancy have you know i don't know i've never been through anything close to this but you maybe look talk to some people yeah. that have done it before and just you know know what in the same way eliza is saying you know this perfect relationship is never it's never going to be we're so into each other for the for the length of an entire relationship mm-hmm. at least expect the worst when yeah, someone's pregnant. So that then, you, that's be then when it, if it does yeah. happen, you're like, all right, at least I expected this. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah,
0: I don't, I don't, I'm not at it's all. It's like you know how there's. I always this tell advice. people
1: get premarital counselling. No matter how great your relationship is, you should get it because it. it Basically, talks about this like, what happens when this scenario comes up? or how you respond? There needs to be like pre baby counseling, which would be so great as someone that's worked in child protection as well <laughs> to be like, are we ready? Can we sustain this? Can we, whatever? Yeah, if, the, if it's intentional for pregnancy. Sure.
0: And again, the problem with the society is the people who have like 10 babies are just like women that have like five kids to five different men by the age of 22, and mm. that's why the, we're all getting dumber. Anyway. <laughs> and those men as well and that the are pre- yeah, the yeah. are- men. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, okay. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. Um, True that. Not to, not to shame any single mothers not doing yeah, that. It's but a tough job. You know. Well, yeah. I kinda am. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No. Yeah. I- no, but it is Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if because there is a trend that middle and upper class people are having a lot less kids uh and whether or not that is a whether that's just going to happen no matter eventually anyway or it is could could it actually be a bad thing
1: yeah i I think about that a lot like i'm like a mother nature like give me babies look at my body made for baby making but then at the same time i get like oh my god is 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 this going to be the best thing to do in this world to bring a there's child that, yeah. in the environment,
0: well, yeah, everything I mean, like that's, that the other thing.
1: I'll probably just foster. I don't know, but um, or do both? Who knows? But anyway, one yes, actually so really interesting one is I watched a documentary about a this couple. You reminded me. Is there a- sorry
0: if you guys can hear that 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 there's clearly a parade. There's some sort of parade going on. I don't know if you can hear it <laughs> through the microphones, but uh, it's like look, a marching band. This apartment or something. is pretty soundproof, but. Maybe it's a Chinese New Year thing. All right, it's getting a lot louder.
1: It must be.
0: I guess we just got to... Um...
1: It's it's going to be like a background effect to my juicy story. Just enjoy
0: the background it's noise It's just going to
1: increase suspense Yeah, there's here. a
0: dramatic edge to yeah, this, which whatever there Eliza's is. about to talk about. So
1: I watched this doco, speaking of kind of like lower socioeconomic um, families that have heaps of kids, and this man had a very, very intensive breastfeeding and pregnancy fetish so he was only aroused to his partner when she was pregnant and he could feed off her or nurse from her oh, he
0: yeah took the breast milk so in as she, well they
1: had no money they Ugh. neither of them worked or anything and they had like seven kids and he's like i expect her to have another one and she's like how many kids do i have to have and the show like the, the people that were there filming them, were, no one intervened and was like, you can't afford this. Like, please stop. Like, these kids, are, they're all in a bedroom together. It's in America. But I thought that was super... Trailer <laughs> trash. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I don't want to be mean and say that, but it was... Okay. Tra- low
0: associate. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> trailer <laughs> occupants.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I just... I felt so bad and I was just so shocked, though, that she was so like, okay, well, yeah, if he wants it, I'll just... Yeah, I'll just give birth again, I guess. Like so casual about it, but my God, that it's, many kids—it would
0: be tough. Like you just said, especially once kids are involved, it would take a lot more than to leave the father because you know that there's also this extra variable.
1: And if you're having one kid a year, so she's got like seven kids under the age of eight, and they're in a basically a one-bedroom apartment. Obviously, they're going to be seeing what him and her get up to. And I keep referencing, like, what even he her. Yeah, but um, I just think, what is he exposing these children to? Or what is he neglecting children? Because she has to feed a newborn baby basically every single hour. Maybe she's yeah, got the no, baby on one tit much. and him on the other tit.
0: He's probably not helping out, yeah. I'm guessing. And he, yeah. what, he doesn't even have a job?
1: No, did not have a job.
0: Yep, that's... but he was
1: like, "This is about my sexual needs, and she needs to fulfill them. That's her role." <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, damn,
0: shit. bro,
1: man, <laughs> please stop."
0: What were they? really Was it a religious? No,
1: it wasn't religious.
0: Were they white? They were. Definitely... Yeah, they yeah, were white,
1: white. Really, like
0: you're just like stereotypical hillbilly kind of. Yeah. 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 Well, these are my sexual needs. Yeah, that was
1: basically it. It's
0: the way it's always meant to be. Yeah,
1: yeah. And another actually random um, uh, fetish that I experienced, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's called like uh, sonophilia. uh, I'm not sure. No, that's not it. That's when you want to have sex with someone that's unconscious. Uh, I can't remember the name, but basically, Whoa. there's a fetish for obscene phone calls, and I <laughs> hey, hey. I used to work at, funny. at at Lifeline, a suicide hotline, as a telephone counselor.
0: Okay. And this guy this would going?
1: call me. This man who was sixty, and the first time I fell for it, and he was like telling me how his wife had died, and he said, "Do you do you know like any guided meditation?" Oh
0: God, was he getting off?
1: Can you do it? Yeah, and. You know, as a, if when you work at Lifeline, you're not allowed to hang up the phone. So I, I was doing this guided meditation with him or walking through a forest, whatever, and then he sees his dead wife and he just starts taking the lead. And he's like, oh, she's smiling. My heart feels so full. She's wearing a bikini. Oh, she's taking it off. Oh, she's sucking my dick. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, let's walk out of this forest now. (laughs) And I was trying so hard to like end this kind of thing. He's like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. So I call like there's a button. You can get a manager and they put a headset in and listen and they write to you like what to say. So she like said, um, she said to say to him like, okay, I'm going to hang up now. I think this is a bit inappropriate because I started hearing like a – like noise in the phone and so i started saying um i was dead silent actually for a little bit because i was so in shock and then he's like he's like are you there eliza because you say like you can say your name and um he's like eliza are you there and i was like didn't say anything and he's like can you please talk like please talk and i was like hey look i'm really sorry i'm gonna end this call now and then just straight away he goes oh thanks darling, and hung up. So he was just waiting for me to talk again. Um, And then that was a few years ago. And then the other day I actually got a call. I don't know if it was the same man, but from my current work, I got a random call on my mobile. And apparently he's called um, a couple of times other people as well. And he pretends to have an interest in fostering children. And so I was like, oh yeah, it's great. And he's like, "Can Can I? I'm just an old lonely man. Can I tell you a story? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he's like, how bad do you want to hear it? And I was like, oh, well, I'm you know, about to head to a meeting. So I go about one minute. And he's like, tell me how bad do you want to hear this? He's like, it's a good oh. one, and I was like, Pff. I was like, my phone's cracking up. I'm so sorry, and he's yeah. like, no, 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 nah, it's not
0: Lifeline anymore. Yeah. You, you can. Yeah, have he tried every to call right to back to like up. five
1: times, but I was like, my God, I wonder if it's the same guy. Just people call Dominoes and do it, like it's just, but they really try to call charity services um, because there's more of an obligation for them to stay on the phone.
0: Yeah, see, that's one where, <laughs> if they were doing it with a consenting partner, that's fine, yeah. but. To call it charity
1: yeah. or
0: to call life oh, the, the, yeah. there's people who really need that yeah, yeah. should be you should have enough yeah wherewithal and empathy to understand that is not a moral thing to do
1: well that's kind of like the one where people you know jacking off in front of like 14 or 13 year old girls the kind of froderism that's a big issue that one and I've seen it in public so many times just men doing that. Yeah. What? I know of girls that have experienced that especially on trains. Yeah, it's a man sitting across from them staring right at them, doing it, being like, "Well, what are you going to do about it?" Crazy. So, if you do, We've
0: gotten in a habit of ending these on a very uh dark, If any
1: of those sounded a bit spicy to you, please a, seek help. But that's a
0: that's a criminal act, right? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um
0: Well, they I mean,
1: What's a nice one there.
0: TikTok is a lot of people <laughs> just say TikTok is half child porn. Yeah. Cuz it's these 14 15 year old girls dancing in bikinis Literally. very provocatively. Yeah.
1: And then there was that trend the the you know the, the red light one where like, they, they would they would be the silhouette challenge. So basically they'd be right. in their normal clothes kind of thing and they'd be dancing and then it would cut screen and it's their silhouette against a red background of them like in like it looks like they're naked because all you see is a black body moving, and they're dancing really seductively. And then it cuts back to them being like normal. Look up silhouette challenge, and you'll be like, ah, oh, yes. Actually, maybe do it. <laughs> Should I be but looking this up? Basically, what was everyone was doing it? There was like millions of young girls doing this challenge and being like, well, it's not inappropriate. They can't see anything, but there's apps that can take off filters. So then they found that like hundreds of thousands of videos were being downloaded by men and being uploaded onto sites because they'd removed the the red filter. So then the girls dancing naked where their bodies were just like a black shadow were now just full naked dancing. Some of them were wearing underwear, thank God, but a lot of them didn't even think to do that. So it's it's so scary. Be safe on the internet, please.
0: I feel like we're getting to a point where so many people now have uh, naked photos and videos and celebrities have sex tapes and things where it's not even going to be a weird thing in another 10, 15 years. It's like, yeah, my nudes are yeah. out there. But it will always it be weird if you're is.
1: a child. It will always be yeah, yeah, yeah. wrong okay, if you're a child. Sure. And yeah, it's that's definitely... 56-year-old men getting them kind of these videos of 12, 13-year-old girls. Oh, that's that the young. issue. G- yeah. yeah, all right. Yeah, they're that's... way too young. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well... Okay, that's another. That's a fetish <laughs> that that hurts people. Yeah, or hurts society at least.
1: One that doesn't hurt anyone. There's a documentary about a woman that has an Eiffel, Eiffel Tower fetish or love. Okay, inflatables too. Can
0: I say something real quick though? I've heard a few girls say this to me. Yeah, they had crushes on their teachers in school. Yeah, and it was. They said that it was a bit of a like. I know he's not allowed to. Yeah. Because I'm a schoolgirl, he's not allowed to, you know, yeah. be sexually into me and I like that. Yeah. So, can you unpack that one for me? Because I hear something <laughs> like that and I'm like, fuck, that's, you, you can't tease someone like that. That's well, not really, as
1: an adult, especially a teacher. I know, the, no, needs, the adult is, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, of course, the adult is totally responsible with it, but... You know, these, these are not that, they're, they're that young either. If you're 15, 16, well, this is right? Well, the thing is like... If you're like flirt, fully flirt... I'm not... This is not me victim-blaming at all, yeah. at all. But I don't know. That's still not a an appropriate thing the to thing do. The thing is, though,
1: so is that... You're not wrong. Um, that teenagers are at their peak of like sexual development at that age where they're so curious, they're so horny, they're so hormonal, hormonal, and especially as –
0: Well, I've heard horniness for men peaks at 17, but for women it actually goes up.
1: To like thirty. To
0: like before menopause. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, so but still it's kind of like it's it's new and yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, of and yeah. a lot of, you know, men start um, touching themselves at like age of twelve. A lot of women don't do that until they're sixteen, 16, 18 or whatever. It's yep. much later, often. Anyway, so around this age, fifteen um, ish. Most teenage girls, um, or a lot of teenage girls, will start to realize that they're attractive and they're sexual, and people perceive them sexually. So they start to kind of think like, "Oh my God, I can seduce people." I've been seeing this in movies, I've been watching this, and now I'm finally like attractive and like I've thought about this my whole life, like having a man chase after me, kind of thing. And then to see a man that's older and handsome, and he shouldn't do it, it's just this like, "Can I? Can I seduce him? Can I like do this?" and the thing is though, is they don't have, I know teenagers listen to this podcast and I remember hearing this as a teenager and being offended, but their brains are not developed. They don't have the emotional maturity to make decisions based on like logic and things like that. They're running off pure like instinct hormones and they can't, they're, they they just take risks. Teenagers are much more likely sure, to take risks. Sure, I know. So,
0: yeah, we've all been teenagers. I get that.
1: I remember there was a girl in the year above me and she was gorgeous and very popular and very scandalous and all our male teachers would fawn all over her and blush when she spoke to them because she knew how to she knew how to work a man and even though she was you know this is the type of girl that would be 17 and have a 26 year old boyfriend kind of thing and still people would be high-fiving him because she was that gorgeous or whatever and she seemed so emotionally mature but even in that scenario it's he the teacher needs to, you know. Of course, I'm not control. Yeah, 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 yeah not no, saying no, no, that. I'm that's what you're that. indicating, but in general, yeah. But um, it is an interesting kind of trope that we go through that where we're like, who are we, especially girls from all-girl private be schools. Encouraged. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. I mean, what's if you going have the temptation to do that, even if you are a teenager, tr- probably don't.
1: Even in like a co-ed school, what's going to be more attractive? the you know, women develop physically much earlier than men. So, oh,
0: bit, yeah, we know. Yeah. That, yeah. So am I going to be looking at a 15-year-old boy, year old boy a, picking his nose and farting yeah.
1: or this gorgeous 24-year-old <laughs> teacher as a 15-year-old girl who's like, oh, he's so handsome, he's a man kind of thing. Like,
0: of course. No, I get they're that. They're going to
1: put their sexual preference probably on him. Yeah, and you don't really yeah.
0: experience that same kind of sexual power as a man. Some men do, if they're, yeah. you, but usually a lot older than yeah. 15. No man at 15, no boy at 15 is like, I can seduce who I want. Yes,
1: yeah, no. I'm going to have it.
0: There's yeah. a few guys that by the time they are I'd say mid 20s, some maybe early 20s or late 20s, they sort of, they they're pretty good looking and they know yeah. it and yeah. can kind of you know work use it. that to their advantage or well, they're yeah. very charming. And you, as you get older, you can you can work on that. Yeah. You do you can sort of start to see a few different reactions from women around you. It can be pretty powerful. It's
1: There's a book on it. I it. Feels think it's good. called The Art of Seduction. I I read half of it. It was pretty interesting. Like just the the psychological things that you could do that regardless of how you look or how it's not a picking up thing but it's like what what is invigorates you know attraction in someone towards you yeah yeah
0: there's a lot of videos out there on youtube Mm -hmm. about that Mm -hmm. yeah so if that's something you are struggling with or maybe feel like you are a bit insecure about that could be something to look into but
1: or ask us on our subscription box and we'll exactly go into there it. you
0: go there you go <laughs> quick plug um all right well
1: thank you david for your 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 juicy thank question. you that was
0: a great question hope we uh did we any anything we didn't fully answer in psychology we definitely talked about psychology behind them if we think they're bad we definitely preference and a fetish you said that most of the girls i've dated have been bigger but i definitely like them as people that's good. Uh, yeah. No, you don't need to get rid of it. If it's not hurting anything. Well, if like Eliza said, it's the sort of one where you need to feed them or something. Then yeah. Maybe there's yeah. something to look into. But if it's just...
1: If it's just a general, I'm attracted girls, to this, I find it comforting and beautiful. Well, we're supposed to great.
0: be attracted. I think we... Because if you look at the body types from ancient Greece, mm. way bigger, huge hips, mm. compared to nowadays it would be called not fat but quite chubby yeah yeah and that was the ideal back then yeah and they say when
1: men reach sexual development is when they become more interested in women that have curves and hips and that becomes more sexual whereas in your teenage years you may be like more likely to be attracted to really slim and slender women even though slim is always in this day and age going to be the the kind of hot thing but
0: yeah. Well now it is also it's it's slim but like with a giant ass. I
1: know. It's <laughs> the beauty standards are fucking impossible these days. Be really tiny but huge tits, huge lips, huge ass, um, long hair.
0: Well again, every Have guy guys hear that and then we're like, Well no, it doesn't none of that really matters. Yeah. Mark that's true. <laughs> if you're into us that's we'll good take help. what we can get yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh thank you for listening guys hope that was informative definitely was for me <laughs> we will see oh yeah neilkaagacom slash podcasts send in your ideas for what we want to talk what you want us to talk about we can even unpack whatever issues might be going on in your relationship yes, we love that
1: one. yeah i love those ones actually yeah
0: and i'll just add my uh unqualified opinion <laughs> in there <laughs> So you can play the devil's advocate. You're good at that. Yeah, there you go. Challenging. Yeah, I'm the moderator. (laughs) All right. Uh, Have a good week, guys.
1: See you next week.